Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Andrew Maxwell from the Southern Outdoorsman here, and I'm here with my two buddies, uh, Jacob Myers, a ginger bow hunter, and another ginger, Tyler Malone. How y'all doing? 
Doing good. Oh. Doing good. Yeah, doing awesome, man. It's been a heck of a weekend, so super excited. Got a full freezer right now, so it's looking good. Dude, so let's just jump right into this, all right? So uh, we put some like stuff out on who wanted to like hear what for our podcast, and our fishing stuff has actually been a little bit better received than I thought. So today, uh, for at least the first part of this podcast, we're going to hammer down on some fishing stuff, uh, and then we'll probably talk about some hunting stuff later. But anyways, um, Jacob and Tyler, man, y'all just... Y'all put me to shame today, or yes, last night, because I came up and fished Gunnersville with you, Jacob, on uh, Friday night. We caught like nine crappie and a catfish, and you caught a couple little dinker stripes. And then you, last night, you guys just, it wasn't even fair. So I'm just going to let y'all run with it, all right? So kick it off, Jacob. Kick it well, off. Kick well, it. I was going to. I was gonna say when when the uh, ginger brotherhood comes together, great things happen. So. <laughs> strong, strong. Get a bunch of gingers in the same boat dock or whatever. Hey, yeah. hey is uh, is Robert ginger? No, no, but we'll we'll just leave him out of it. It's it's whatever. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's not not important. Nobody has to know about him. No, this is my cousin Robert. But no, so uh, dude, we had a heck of a time. So you know, I've been going to Gunnersville Lake almost every weekend since uh, probably the last part turkey season. Uh, or just the end of turkey season. And, dude, definitely had the best night of fishing, I think, ever. I mean, dude, it was just crazy from beginning to end. You know, Tyler, I didn't realize, man, you live so close to the freaking – the marina where that houseboat's at, man. That's that's awesome. So, we'll have to get out there and go do the – you know, do it some more and actually have Andrew come up and maybe catch fish. Now, if we don't catch any more fish, if Andrew ever comes up again, uh, we know he's the bad luck. Oh, dude, I'm like – uh, what I tell you earlier, I'm like cancer to a fishing operation. Like it's bad. Well, I mean, if we have to, we'll let Andrew film me and your fish. Oh god, I, I think just the presence might. Just the presence, stuff. man. Oh, like, okay. Golly. Although I will say, I was the other night. Catfish bite was slow, and I was like, I'm gonna go see if I can get a crappie. And Jacob, as usual, is talking smack. He's like, Well, whatever. You're not catching anything. Like three casts later, I pull out a freaking slab crappie. He's like, What? What? And so he runs over there, and we all start yanking out crappie, and then we get ready to go to bed. No, okay, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! Before I get to whoa, that, whoa, I just whoa. I want I want you to know this, Tyler. I want you to know this about Jacob. I'm talking five or six times. Okay, he we had the net and everything. We're sitting there, and Jacob would just I mean just about rip the fish out of the water. Setting the hook, he'd be like, "Good one, good one, get the net, get the net, get the net." Yes, so I'd, yes. I'd run over there, get the net, the and he'd pull up. He'd pull up a freaking four inch striped bass, and I'm like, "Do you know what the?" You know what that phrase means? Do <laughs> you know what Dude, the phrase good one means, Jacob? You have no idea how many times he's done that. Though, you know? <laughs> Dude, I mean. Get the get the net, get the net. Get the he's net, going get the under. net. He's going under. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little baby. I mean. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. I caught a, I caught a crappie that could have eaten those fish that you were yelling about. <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Where, where were we? Go on now. Go on. By the way, and oh. I caught the biggest crappie of the weekend, so I'll, I'm gonna I'm just gonna walk away knowing that, and I'm gonna be happy with that. Well, all right, guys, I, I appreciate the support of my uh, maybe over excitement on some on a couple of fish, just a few. Was it wasn't many? Man, got that crappy fever. Yeah, no, dude, it was awesome, man. So, um, it, it was it was the making for a great weekend. So first of all, we need to kind of talk about having you guys or you come up, Andrew. So you and Zach came up on Friday night. Yeah, and you know I kind of hyped it up to you guys about the catfish. You know, I caught a bunch of catfish the week before. Dang liar! I mean, 
And, I mean, dude, wore the catfish out the week before. And you guys come up, and we struggled to catch one fish. Which I caught. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it was just pitiful. Pitiful. And, I mean, like you said, you know, we started catching some, you know, some crappie. Put an overhanging light over the water next to the houseboat, and and the boat slipped and just kind of went to town on them. But, uh, you know, that I, I definitely realized after that day, you know, the following day, when Tyler was coming up and uh, my cousin Robert was there, I was like, man, we got to do something different. So, you know, the biggest thing I was talking to Tyler and Tyler was coming up, I was like, man, we got to get some live bait. And uh, that was game yeah. changing. I will say that. So to provide a little more context, we were fishing like on this little dot, like the light that was tied to the boat <clears throat> and it was just a floodlight. It wasn't like an underwater light or anything. And we were fishing, we were vertical jigging with just, you know, regular old little crappie jigs uh, with like a little white, beetle grub looking thing on them and i mean we caught a couple it was pretty slow i mean we're catching like one fish every like 30 minutes probably something like that it was was, was horrible until the end i yanked out three in a row and then it was just like then it just died and then we went to bed yeah well that's to say we didn't go i didn't go to bed last night (laughs) so (laughs) So, uh, i went to bed this morning so yeah get into that now because our our night was it was fun but it wasn't nearly what y'all's was yeah, so I mean, first off, me and Tyler were talking about. First off, me and Tyler, Tyler, we're about to build some freaking noodle boxes, some, some catfish boxes, and we're about to yes. start a noodle, right? Yes. Yeah, I got Tyler hooked. He's never even been before, and I don't know crap about noodle other than one time I went. But dude, we're about to, we're about to go catch them. I'll tell you what. So, uh, hopefully, we get a couple of those built and be able to kind of go out this summer. But you know, me and my cousin Robert had been fishing all day long and wasn't really catching a whole bunch. Uh, but we kind of go out that night. Go get some, go get some minnows like always. Uh, at least back in, in the past, that's what we would do. And came back, dude, and it was like, it was on. I mean, it, it was fun just sitting around, you know, drinking beer, having a good time, and just catching crappie. But the funny part was, again, you know, you have all these little, you know, there's white bass and some stripe swimming around the ball of shad that's underneath the light. And I mean, you're freaking catching them left and right, and those suckers are like. I mean, I, I thought a cat, like a little catfish is a pain in the butt to grab because freaking their fins and they're small and hard to get. Man, those little white bass would tear your hands up with that freaking spine, and they just flop around. It's, just, it's a pain. I mean, Tyler, I know you caught a few, and freaking by, you know, by the time we were catching, I mean, we, for every crop we caught, we probably caught at least one to two white bass. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, little dinkers, man. And it was, it was annoying, but it was a fun time. But I mean, it really didn't get interesting until Robert started pulling out some absolute slabs, dude. Yes. I mean, we caught. He caught. Uh, today I was looking. I think we caught. Uh, it was five out of thirty-two keepers, which we actually let some go because we didn't have enough cooler space. So y'all were throwing back legal crappie. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, because you couldn't oh, fit anymore. Yeah. No, dude. I'm. We're freaking. I'm talking. It got to uh, the point by midnight. So I bought. We bought four dozen minnows. At midnight, we went back into town to buy more bait because, fortunately, the uh, bait store in Gunnersville is open 24-7, which is awesome. I had to go back and get two, two more dozen. Dude, by that time, we barely had any uh, cooler space. I mean, you literally, by the end of the night, if I didn't lock down, cam lock the strap on the uh, the Orion, it wasn't closing. Yeah. So, that, that's when you know it's a freaking awesome night. Well, but... Well, okay, so yeah, you gotta you gotta give us a little more context here. Uh, so, like, kind of, I'll start with Tyler. What was your what were you fishing with? Like, what was your rod and setup and everything, so people know what you were using. 
Well, I had I had a little situation on my ride. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I have okay. Let me start from the beginning. I have never crappie fished before ever. Really? Yes, strictly bass. Fish bass tournaments every weekend on Lake Gunnersville. So it was new to me. Uh, I show up with the uh, seven foot extra heavy with uh, a bait caster on it with 15 pound of line. So I didn't do too good with my rod setup, but I had to use one of Jacob's little kid poles. So <laughs> ultralight. But uh, as far as the crappie setup, I didn't have a good setup. Uh, Jacob, he let me use his rod several times and i used it three times back to back to back i pulled out slabs nice so and then uh after that happened i didn't, I didn't see the rod again so but uh he he got me a little kid rod i i used and it was it was a pretty good setup but it was like three foot total length mm-hmm. and uh i think i caught two more with it so i'll let jacob tell you what his rod he he had a good setup his rod was yeah, because I was actually prepared for crappie fishing, which, I mean, I didn't realize at that point that you had never crappie fished before. Uh, yeah, never. I mean, because, again, growing up doing it, you kind of suspect that everybody freaking crappie fishes. Well, but like, crop, crappie don't take no skill, so. Uh, yeah, you're, I mean, good point. <laughs> so a pretty good point. If you got a good light and you're in some, you know, some deep water, man, it makes yeah. a good time. But, uh, no, so, I mean, just, just running a, a, a five-foot uh, crappie rod, you know, pretty light action um, with a um, about four with four pound test. And uh, Tyler, what are you doing? Uh, listen, I'm I had to come up to town and get service because I live in the boondocks. So I'm over got my truck running, the AC running. Right on. Okay, there you go. Well, anyways, service. But you know, the the setup for this rod and reel, even this carp fish for me is pretty much you know the standard. You know, you're running a, a number two, uh, a number two aught. Um, crappie hook long shank crappie hook with a uh, split shot you know about you know eight inches above the you know the hook no bopper dropping straight to the bottom hooking you know hooking the minnow through the nose or robert hooks into the eyes which that's not for me but whatever drop them to the bottom crank them up three or four times let it sit there and just kind of just kind of wait for a little bit and then kind of keep working your way up through the water column until you find where they're kind of staging at where they're kind of sitting at and uh dude it was just fun i'm telling you like we grew. I grew up crappie fishing, guys. And anyone listening right now that grew up crappie fishing, it's just like one of the most fun. To me, it's one of the most fun ways to fish. Period. Oh, and I like. I, I like. I like catfishing. I love bass fishing, but it's like crappie fishing, especially night fishing over like a you know floating lights or whatever. We used to do it on uh, Lake Martin and uh, go underneath the old uh, Highway 280 bridge. Man, and, you're just uh, throwing out all the spots. Dude, I mean, everybody knows about it. If you go to Wind Creek, I mean, State Park, everybody, everybody, and their mother knows about it. But it's That's just true. one of those things. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's no secret. And all the locals know about it. But the problem is, you know, we'd go out there and, you know, we did that growing up. And it was like the thing we did. It was that and then trolling for bass on uh, on the lake. But I haven't done it, dude, in freaking years, man. Because, like, the last place we were at on Gunnersville, water was too shallow. It was only, like, six to eight feet deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, by, by this time of the summer, man, it's too warm. Crappie's not there. So uh, it, it's good to be on a deeper part of the lake to really have a lot of fun. But, you know, that's kind of the setup. But, but the thing was, was I guess what helped us the most is where the marina is located. It's pretty close to the main channel. You're, you know, we're like in 18 feet of water. There's a ton of shad. You know, by the end of the night, the bait ball was probably, I mean, eight foot in diameter. I For mean, anybody was, who doesn't know, what is the bait ball? 
I mean, it's just a bunch of freaking shad. They swim around. So they come to the light for anyone that's never crop fish or night fish. You, you put a light out, and the, I don't necessarily understand the whole logic. It's like a tornado freaking, of fish. Well, the, the reason why it's a tornado of fish is because there's bigger fish below them trying to eat them, so they keep moving. It's like the yeah. whole zebra effect. So, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's a bunch of little shad, little minnows on top, and they're literally just swimming in a circle. Like, it looks like they're possessed or something. They yes, just swim I mean, around and around, and every once in a while, a big old bass will come up and shoot through the middle of them and probably eat like 12 of them or something. Bass, crappie, I mean, catfish. Catfish. I'm yeah, me and Cy, when we were out the other night uh, fishing dock lights, we saw a big freaking flathead come up and uh, grab something off the top. It wasn't huge, but it was a decent-sized flathead. Yeah. But, I mean, that that's, like, pretty much it. So, that, that's kind of the whole topic of night fishing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to do it around any kind of structure. A lot of people like doing it around uh, bridges just because you have the columns. You know, holds a lot of sh- holds a lot of bait fish there, and then the crappie, are, of course, anywhere where the bait fish are at. Yeah, uh, it's gray around piers. Like this dock at the marina is fantastic, especially if you're in deeper water too. But r- literally, you're, they're schooling. I mean, it looks like a tornado. I mean, that's the greatest way to describe they're, it. A tornado yeah, they're creating ripples, like going around in a circle. Like they're creating like a little, like seriously, like a little vortex underwater. There's so many of them. It's cool. Yeah, and it, it just made for a fun time. But the cool thing is. You'll see that, and then freaking white bass, they start shooting through it. I mean, they start swimming around with them, grabbing them. You know, your largemouth swim through them, grab them. You know, you get catfish coming up, grabbing them. It's just, it's a fun time, and you really don't know always what you're going to catch. You know, you drop a minnow down there, I mean, you can catch. We caught drum. We caught uh, white bass, caught, I think, maybe a stripe or two, like real small ones. Um, caught, let's see, what else would you catch? Um, and then, of course, crappie. You know, sometimes you catch a little largemouth, you know, catch catfish. I mean, you catch all kinds of things. Caught some uh, drum, too. Yeah, caught drums, which was, you know, it was, again, interesting. I haven't really ever caught a drum while not fishing for crappie. Yeah, uh, that that reminds me, Tyler. Jacob, was Jacob talking all kind of crap to you when you were up there? Well, well I, I don't want to put him on the spot, but kind of. <laughs> yeah, dude, t- my, I mean, dude. So I hook in, I think it was a drum. I can't remember, but I hook into this thing, and I'm using an ultralight. And I'm oh. like, get the net, get the net, it's a good one. And Jacob comes over there, and he's like, you ain't got a fish, you're lying, that's a log, or something like that. And I was like, I swear to God, it's a fish, man. And oh, it quit, well, dude, uh, it quit I, moving, and it had got wrapped around one of the little poles, or um, lines down there. Like, what, what, what was it the water line or something? Yeah, it's a, a water line for the boats. Yeah, and we pulled it up, and then uh, Zach broke my line trying to get it. Or one well, of y'all broke it. Jacob, he... He said he hooked into going last night too, and it it happened to break off too. So I don't know, I don't know if that's a reoccurring thing, but he, <laughs> he yeah he but he he also hooked it on the the uh, five foot ultralight rod, and um, we had him. He come up, I think it was a big bass. He come up, swirled, and went back down. I think he got hung up under the pile. Oh, wait, are you talking about that real big bass? That, yeah. that bass? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of like getting into it a little bit more. So in the whole situation, I mean, Ty, I mean, you saw it first. Is this your first time really ever night fishing too? No, I mean, no, no, no. Used well, to be over over lights. I'm talking. Yeah, about, yeah, over lights. yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Probably. So, so you know, you get almost like schools of really good sized largemouth to come through, and there was a really you know good one. I, I was thinking it was probably right around that five pound mark, uh, which I've seen multiple fish like that come out under that light. And I threw down a freaking the biggest. I found the biggest minnow in the bucket I could get, and it was like two and a half inches long, uh, maybe three inches. No, no, two and a half inches long. 
hook it, drop it down there, right in the middle of the bait ball. The bass comes through there. My minnow starts running from it or swimming from it. Bass comes up, hits it. The problem was on four pound test, I really didn't think about this all that much. <laughs> when it, when it, he grabbed it, swallowed it, went straight down. He didn't know he was hooked until I was freaking trying to crank up the drag on him to get him to stop. Uh, well, that lasted for, uh, you know, maybe 20 seconds. He came to the top of our splash a little bit, went back down. Robert's running around with a freaking net. I'm like trying to net him. I thought the fish was like down below me. Next thing I know, he's behind me on the other side of the pier, jumping up in the air, splashes, and then breaks off. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I, I kind of saw that coming. But uh, that wasn't the only bad situation we had last night. You know, we had – me and Robert were sitting there. It was probably – it was after I had to run to go get bait. So, I went – me and Tyler went and got some bait and some boiled peanuts at, like, I don't know, 12.30 in the morning. Cajun. Cajun boiled. Cajun boiled. Oh, there you go. yeah, man. Which, first time I ever had boiled peanuts, so I'll admit that. All the Southerners, Yeah, all the Southerners were like, you man, you ever man. had boiled peanuts? Man, I, I, I wouldn't have told that. No, uh, hey, I'm, I'm real like that, you know? That's how I roll. I know. So, but – we got back, dude, and we're sitting there. And there's a couple big bass, and all of a sudden, me and Robert are just sitting there. He's fishing on one side of the one side of the uh, the dock. I'm on the other side. I look down by the light, dude. I see this big freaking black thing swim up, and I was, no lie, I thought it was a carp. Okay, because there have been a bunch of other big bass come through, you know, and I thought it was a carp. I turn my light on it, and it is the biggest bass I've ever seen. Period. Period. Um, well, let me take over now. Let me let me take over. All now. right, yeah, I gotta yeah. I gotta hear this from Tyler's side. Okay, it's probably, I'm gonna say one o'clock, Jacob. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, rather one around o'clock. one o'clock mark. Uh, I was I've been there since eight thirty. Uh, you know, of course, of course, we're having a good time with some uh, natties and uh, <laughs> <laughs> some natural lattes. And I had to go and I had to work the next morning, so I had all my stuff on. I had my rods picked up. I'm heading out, I probably, I don't know, 10 yards, and Jake's, oh, God, it's a big bass. So I come back over there, and and uh, Robert said, just pitch over there and see if you can catch him with that heavy rod. So I pitched twice right by the light, nothing. Oh. And then I think Jacob or somebody catches a fish. Yeah, I catch a crappie, yeah. Yeah, Jake catches a crappie. So I had my rod in my hand. I was watching him. He got it, and I flipped again, and I flipped right by the light. And I let the slack out of my bait caster, and it went all the way down to the bottom. And I'm looking at them, and I start to pick up on my rod to bring it about four or five turns and drop it again. Mm-hmm. And my line starts swimming up on the boat. And I jerked, I set the hook, and I and I have a long shafted rod that goes all the way to <laughs> my elbow. And I had it uh, pinned between my elbow, a bunch of my elbow, and I jerked it, and the whole rod almost came out of my hand. I said, oh, shit. oh, <laughs> I knew as a, a good one. So I got in the rod and I reset again and it didn't even budge. It didn't even budge. So I start cranking on it and I get to the surface and Jacob, he almost knocks the whole fish off by trying to net it. <laughs> oh, Jacob, you it was, it never was, was lived big, that down. It was just a cluster. I thought he fell in the water two or three times. It was just a cluster, and he finally got it netted, and we got it. And man, it's it's my personal best. And I, I think it was like seven two before I caught this one. And I had never, well, you know, we didn't weigh this one, but I think it was eight pounds, if not a little bit bigger. Oh um, yeah, I, I was gonna say I've caught a, I've caught 
multiple six pound bass and a, and a seven pound. But my base is seven four, and it was quite a bit larger than any of those bass I've ever caught. Period. And it, it was a bit. It was a big female, and I mean, definitely, you know, pre spawn up in February. I'm sure that that was a double digit, you know, fish for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was ridiculous. When the thing was. I didn't realize what was happening because, first off, you know, you, you never said what you were fishing with, but you were throwing it like a big Texas rig worm, right? Yeah, Texas rig with a bobber stopper, and uh, uh, I can't think what size hook it was, but it was a 12 inch June bug worm. Yeah, so massive. And, dude, he just hit it on the freaker. She just hit it on the fall. But, like, my the funny thing was my perspective I'm over at the cooler, you know, like 15 feet from you guys. And my fish is still on the hook in the net. And you're like, all I hear is Robert freaking out. So and, he's got, and like, you're Tyler, you're like, I got him, I got her. And, and cussing like, every word. Oh my God. <laughs> wake up everybody. I mean, Robert was freaking out. And I didn't know what was happening. I was like, oh crap, he, he caught a big bass. So I'm like, and this like splashing and crap. And I'm like, trying to get my, my hook out of this crappie and I yank it out. Line's all tangled up. I freaking just run over there with tangled line and everything with this net. And I'm like, I don't want to see the fish. We all got headlamps on. And, you know, it's flailing around and freaking trying to net the thing. Finally dip net it. Put it in the net. I still don't understand how big it is until I pull it up out of the water. And Robert, when I did that, Robert freaked out. Robert lost his – he lost it. He lost yeah, his marbles. Say, I, I, I can't say what he said on air. But yeah. he, he was screaming like oh, – dude, it was Robert insane. was screaming cuss words, top of his lungs. Yes. yes. <laughs> and he didn't even catch the fish. I'm no. like – and like and like Robert told me, he's like he seemed like you didn't really realize how big that fish was until we got it up, and we're like, oh my god. Dude. Yeah, like when, when I set the hook, I knew it was, I knew it had to be a, at least a five pounder because it. Like when I set the hook, it my my rod didn't even budge up, and then when it swirled on top, I thought, oh god, that's, that's a good one. And then, <laughs> and then when when we got it up on the on the pier, it mean it was it was huge. I mean, like I say, it's the biggest I've ever caught, and I've I fished tournaments every weekend two two or three years ago before I sold my boat. I've never seen nothing like it. It was a it, it, it was it was a true Georgia, I mean not Georgia, Gonzalez slab. That's what it was. That's what you come to Gonzalez to catch. Dude, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty jealous. And and you didn't even uh, you didn't even keep it need it, huh? Well, Andrew, I just can't do it. I just I just. <laughs> Yeah. I don't want to. I just. I just couldn't. I just can't do it. Yeah, it's a teach their own. Teach their own. I know people probably get pissed if you catch a if you keep a bass like that. And eat Listen, it. up here where I'm from, if you live on Lake Gville, whatever you call it up here, uh-huh. and somebody, so you say you you eating bass, oh, they'll they'll have nothing to do with you. They will disown you up here and try to fight you probably. Oh, dude, I'd, I'd love to have a confrontation about it, <laughs> dude. I, I eat so many bass, man. You have to, you have to take bass out of lakes. You have to. Oh yeah, you do. But I mean, I, on one hand, people are like, "Oh, you gotta," and I'm not talking about you, Tyler. I'm just talking about other people I've seen. Like I'm on some Gunnersville bass fishing pages, and guys are like that. Where, you know, it'll be the same kind of guys that are like, "We gotta kill a deer; they'll get overpopulated." Well, it's the same thing with bass, man. You gotta yeah. kill some bass, bro. But uh, yeah, now, I'm a bass now, eater. I think the uh, I think the, all the anglers is a lot different than the you know the average fisherman. Uh, the average fisherman like me and you. I mean, I, I won't eat a bass, but the anglers, they ain't no way they will. They, you know, it's not in their blood to. Yeah, yeah. I'll eat some crappie though, man. I cooked oh, some of those crappie today. Oh my! Here's what I do with those crappie, and 
I suggest y'all try this because it's good. I don't know where I figured this out. I don't know if it was a recipe I read sometime or if I just did it one day. I can't remember. But uh, I'll get like a stick of butter or depending on how many crappie I got, like two sticks, and I'll put it in a bowl and I'll just let it sit out for like an hour and kind of get room temperature where you can like work it, but it's not melted butter. It's just kind of like uh, like a softened. Paint. Yeah, softened. And pour, I mean, a ton of Old Bay in there because, you know, Old Bay, you have to use four pounds of it to make it taste like anything, but it tastes good. So you put a, a ton of Old Bay in it. I mean, a ton to where it doesn't even look like butter anymore. And mix it up real good. And I'll, like, lather that crap all over those crappie fillets. And then I'll put uh, a skillet on low heat, and I'll throw them on that skillet and cook them slow. And what it does is it, like, melts that butter off of them, and then it kind of, it, it, it like... Cooks it in it? Yeah, it... I'm not going to say sear, because you're not searing them, because it's not fast. It, it takes, like, five minutes, and it's low heat. But it'll... Because crappie's so delicate, you can't, like, sear it. But you yeah. just put it on there, and it... You give it a couple minutes, and it'll, like, brown and, like, crisp up. And, dude, if you do it right, it almost tastes like freaking snow crab legs. Like, it's so good, man. And you got, like, that a little bit of crunch on the outside, and the inside just melts in your mouth. That's why crappie's my favorite eating fish. Like, I, man, I can't get enough crappie, dude. I, I well, do just you, about anything for crappie. Do you think you should tell the listeners what Obey is just to make sure? Old Bay is, is? is like a seasoning, it's like a fish seasoning that a lot of people are using like crawfish boils or some people just put it on fish, but Old Bay, like people use it for crab and, and crawfish, Can't go wrong. Can't shrimp, go wrong. it's good stuff, man. But with that, with this recipe, you got to use a bunch of it, which in most recipes you got to use a bunch of it because it's not like a real strong seasoning at all. And I like strong flavors. I don't like real mild stuff. So, uh... Well, uh, I told I told Jacob to save me a few, but I doubt he did. He's what you told him what? I told him to save me a few crappie so I could you know enjoy them, but I, I guarantee he took them back home with him. Oh, Jacob! Dude, I, I got him. I've got you, son. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I hook you up. Yeah, I still oh. got two bags of crappie at my place too. Oh, I, I forgot. While all this is going on, I had the bass hook. Jacob had the crappie. We also caught caught a catfish at the same time. Oh yes, it was insane. Oh really? Triple yeah. down, dude. That yeah. sounds fun, dude. That we sounds like good. good time, man. It was. It, we uh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just I was going. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was about to pivot. I was uh, about to change I, the subject. All right, then. What what I was going to say is uh, before let's say before couple weeks we all need to get back down there and just you know just stay all day long stay all day and just hang out it'd be a good time yeah dude i can't wait to get back up there hopefully it won't be too long this weekend hopefully uh one day one of these days jacob is gonna bring me to this magical lake full of 10 pound bass that he's been telling me all about how we're gonna win this tournament that we're doing the chasing tails so hopefully we'll do that pretty soon and then after we get that done and we catch 138 inches worth of fish we'll, uh, and, and, and then go noodling <laughs> and then we'll go noodling and we'll go up to gunnersville and we'll catch a three-man limit of crappie and uh it'll be a good time listen yep. plan is next weekend if we can get together we're gonna try to build at least three boxes oh yeah you can go drop dude uh we we uh took out the canoe the um let's see saturday morning because we wanted to, we, it was the first day of the tournament, so we went, took the canoe out and trying to fish, uh, get on the board, 
And Jacob said he found a couple good places where he could put some boxes. He, oh, according yeah. to him, there are good places. I don't know anything about noodling, so. I don't either, but I I, uh, I got all the material to build the boxes, so we ain't got to worry about that. As long as he has the spots, I can furnish the boxes. Woo woo! Oh yeah, man, let's do it. Let's yeah, do I'm, it. I'm I'm ready to see both of you guys get your hands slammed in a door when one bites you. <laughs> I'm down. That's, that's exactly how they feel. So it feels like you're going in a dark room, you can't see yourself. All of a sudden, someone slams a, your, your hand in a door frame. Listen, <laughs> if 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 women can do it and this ain't a shot, I can do it. No, oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said too. Then it happened to him. I'm like, damn. I'm like, I need, I need, a, I need to toughen up. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you are pretty soft. Yeah, I appreciate it. Jacob's a tenderfoot man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, old old, di- old dishwasher hands, man. <laughs> Spot on. Spot yeah, on. So. Well, uh, dude, fishing's been good, man. Uh, this is, I can already tell. Usually in the summertime, I'll fish pretty hard starting out, but I mean, 90% of my stuff is creek fishing, and I've just never gotten to go to lakes or anything, but I can already tell this summer I'm going to be fishing a lot more than I ever have in my life, because now we got, I I finally got a canoe, Jacob, you got a boat, I've got, I've actually got a John boat too that I got to fix up, I mean, we just have access to some more places, so I'm pumped about fishing some more this summer, dude, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and plus, having the fish meat's pretty dang nice. Yeah, it does. Especially when you had a deer season like mine, where it only killed two deer. So, and yeah. plus, gonna and plus, you know, Gunners what is this? Is like the top third or forest fishery in the world. I mean, it's so close too. I mean, it's there's so many fish in Lake Gunnersville. Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly, I was really impressed by it because that's the first time I've ever fished Gunnersville. Oh shit! Ever. I mean, like, and I've never. I always joke like you put me on Gunnersville with like a nice bass boat and I probably won't catch anything, which uh, the other day was almost true. We didn't have a nice bass boat, but uh, we had the canoe and I I lost one right at the boat. But that's the, mm. that's the only bass we hooked. <laughs> that's the only bass we hooked into. Mm. It happens. Yeah. But anyways, um, so kind of pivoting away from that a little bit. We're all kind of starting to plan our falls, man. And now we got some boats we can use to go uh, chase after some deer. We got the buck barge, as I think we're going to call Jacob's boat. And the buck boat. The buck boat. I think I'm going to name mine Lady November. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Hey, you're the first person that said it's cool. Everyone else is dogging me about it. Thanks, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Lady November. I'm going to yeah, spray paint it on the side. Ball. I'm going to stencil it out on the side. It's going to, y'all, all you crap talkers are going to be jealous. What kind oh, of boat is it? Is it a V-hole? Yeah, it's a little V-hole that a uh, buddy of mine, Jamie Monahan, he's a chapter chair for Alabama BHA. He yeah. uh, actually has a place, I think it's on Lake Martin, I can't remember, but uh, they had a big storm a couple years ago and this boat just washed up on their place. And they're like, well, whose freaking boat is this? And uh, so they ran the numbers on it and called it in or whatever. And the state got back to them. And they're like, yeah, the owner of that boat's been dead for 19 years. So, oh my God. yeah, so, they, so they're like, yeah, it's your boat. I mean, because at this point, it's a, it's a salvage. So yeah. I guess what had happened is that guy probably had a place upriver from him. And, you know, when he passed, his, his, the place just probably just went to crap, I guess, and just didn't really – they never did anything with it, or his family, I guess, didn't clean it out. And over time, it probably just deteriorated, and the flood came up and cut his boat loose, and it ha- happened to land on Jamie's property. And so 
they weren't using it for anything. They've already got boats, but he called me one day. He's like, hey, man, uh, we want to get rid of this boat. You can have it if you just come get rid of it or come take it. I was like, shoot, yeah. So I went and grabbed it, brought it home, filled it full of water to make sure there's no leaks in it, and there's no leaks. And so I've been painting it ever since. I got to paint gotta, it, and I got to put a new transom on it, and then it's going to be cocked like and ready to rock. You got a trailer? No, but I can fit it in the bed of my truck. I mean, it's a small boat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll it'll stick out a little bit. I don't know. I think it's like 14 feet or something. But uh, oh. think about getting a trolling motor on it, or if I do get a trailer, which I don't really have room for a trailer, um, might get a little horse with like nine horsepower motor or something. It'd probably boogie with that. So I don't know, man. We'll see. It's yet to be determined. But right now, Jacob's got the boat that we're going to use to deer hunt this fall. I mean, he's got the setup, Ooh-hoo. it sounds like. Oh. Speak about that, uh, brother. My brothers called me today. Uh, they just put the new transom in, and they're building the, the new deck for it and floor, putting new carpet in and everything. Oh, it's gonna be legit. Oh yeah, man. Yes, yeah, sir. So let's talk about our, our deer hunting plans for this fall. Um, so Tyler, we've kind of me and Jacob kind of rambled about our plans, but what you got, Tyler? Well, you gonna be scouting pretty soon? Like, kind of, what are y'all looking at doing? Uh, let's see. I was gonna scout today and go get some cameras I've had in the woods soaking up since november but when you stay up fishing all night it's hard to do anything yeah that's right and plus i had to work so but uh and then you want the hunting season trips or the what we got going on or what, what, what well asking? well first let's 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 caption it with uh what you what you and our buddy mike michael pike have going on what, what are y'all you gonna right. you want to announce something here well, I don't want to give, give away too much, but... Uh, Come on, hit me with it. Me, Michael Pike, and Colton Watkins, uh, we all uh, got together, and we want to do something with media and come up with a platform, and uh, so we come up with a, a group named The Unrested. It's a cool uh, freaking name, man. Uh, the reason we... I mean, just a little, little, little story here. The reason we come up with that, because... We all work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and just grind all week. And, and we still find time to get in the woods and try and get it done. So mm-hmm. we thought the name fit, fit pretty good. Yeah, dude. I think it's a pretty sweet name. And, uh, yeah, we hunted with y'all a bunch this deer season, and we hunted with you in turkey season a little bit. And uh, y'all are fun to hunt with. Y'all are good hunters, and um, y'all are good at filming stuff, especially Michael, man. He's oh. very talented. Yeah, he, he and uh, I don't know if y'all seen the new. Uh, I'm sure y'all did the new video he done for New Breed. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, and it, Michael don't have hardly any experience editing, and yeah, he, he put that out pretty quick. I know, I know it's a short video, but I thought it was pretty good for his first video. Yeah, was I was trip. talking to him at like mid. I was on the phone with him at like midnight the night before. He's like, "Yeah, I think I might go do this thing and film this for him and just." try and make a little video and see how it turns out i was like it sounds cool and then like the next day i was like wow he already did it cool yeah he uh he's he's real good with the camera he's uh yeah he's real good with the camera and we're uh he uh he ended up getting a uh computer he built a computer i'm in the process of building one so we're gonna we should better do pretty good as far as videos and stuff but yeah it, we got a youtube channel uh facebook page instagram and we have a website <laughs> so yeah that's gonna stay, be cool man stay tuned. yeah stay it's tuned. gonna be cool so we'll uh we'll probably definitely be hunting with you guys this fall probably scouting with you pretty dang soon i don't know what y'all got going on this week but i want to get out uh, after work one of these days 
I think Michael said something about wanting to go out and go to where he hunts a lot and mm-hmm. try to find some new stuff for next year. So, yeah, I gotta I gotta get out, man. I haven't been scouting worth of crap. I've been fishing too much, but uh, yeah, this week hopefully we'll get out. But yeah, that's exciting what y'all got going on. I'm pretty I'm excited to see what kind of content you guys pump out and uh, hopefully now, collaborate as, with you guys a little bit. As far as uh, as far as the fall, I, I know I know we're going. Uh, Michael is. I think you and Michael are supposed to go to Georgia. Is that right? Early season? Yeah. So we're still trying to plan that out because I thought that my license, I don't know when I bought my license, but it expires on September 10th. And oh, okay. So I'll, I'll have a couple days there at the beginning. I don't know how many days I'll have, though. But I know that yeah. Mike, he bought his a lot later, so he'll get a pretty good chunk of the early season in Georgia that he can hunt. But, yeah, we definitely yeah. want to go do that because last year we were all over the bucks. I mean, That's all over him. He said, y'all, was, I think somebody missed or could, got close or I something. I missed, of course. Oh, okay. It was like the was second not. or third day I was hunting these. Because we kept, I, I was down there by myself, and I kept seeing all these bucks eating in this, uh, like, field. It was a millet field that had re-sprouted, and they were eating that millet. And I kept seeing these bucks at, like, 830 at night, and they were on the public. So I was like, man, they got to be. And over there, I mean, it was getting dark at like 8 o'clock. So they were out there right after dark. I'm like, dude, they got to be bedded pretty close to here in the daytime. So I eventually just kind of started backtracking them to where I thought they were bedding. And I, long story short, I found the bedding area. And I, when, when Mike showed up, I snuck in there really, really close. I got like 70 yards from the beds and set up on this little pinch point that kind of came out of the bedding area. And... I got caught off guard by the buck. He showed up at like three o'clock, and I just missed him. He got through my lane. I was trying to get my camera set up. Got through my lane. I got panicked, and then I misjudged the yardage and shot underneath him. That's early. That's early three o'clock, dude. I mean, he. That's why it caught me off guard because I just got set up, and there were some birds or something. And mind you, this is like the first time. This is like the first, like pro- this is probably the third or fourth hunt I'd ever like went out and tried to film myself. Yeah. And so I'm like brand new to it and I, there's like some birds to my right and I was trying to film these birds for just bee footage and I, I'm i filming these birds and I had just finished filming them and I closed the camera and I looked to my left and that buck is walking up out of that ditch and I was like oh my god it's like 3.30 or something it's like way before dark and uh, I'm like trying to get the camera on him and he gets through the lane and then I move I adjust the camera I'm like okay he's gonna walk through there so I get drawn and he goes up there and stops and he was like 40 yards and I thought he was like 35 I mean I sent it right beneath him and that same day Mike saw a bunch of bucks too yeah that's what he said yeah he's all over him I wonder if that buck got bumped he got bumped out of bed or something early could be he he was bedded I don't want to say too much about this place I don't want people to figure it out but I got you. Um, but he was bedded, I mean, less than 100 yards from a busy highway. And he was right between two dirt roads that were fairly busy. I mean, he was okay. he's in a weird spot. And there's one oak tree. It's like a little pine forest. And there's one oak tree in there, big, huge old white oak that was dead. And the canopy was open because it was dead. There's no leaves. So around that oak tree, it was all privet and briar and stuff. And that's where he was bedded. Okay. Yeah, and I had I had found that bed like two days before, and then the wind and the thermals were right, so I moved in on him. But yeah, I mean, well, that, well, hopefully we'll 
hopefully that pattern is kind of still there next year and maybe hopefully we'll capitalize on it but yeah i think i'll buy a new license to hunt georgia again yeah if i can if i can swing it i'll definitely purchase that um yeah he uh he, he talks about going to georgia and uh i thought about going also but i i don't know if i can be able to afford it this year because i know i know we're going to kentucky early season then uh we're going back in kentucky for the rut and uh then I'll come home for about a week, and then I'll go to West Virginia and hunt for seven days. But uh, nice. But and I might squeeze Tennessee in me and Mike because I live so close. I live forty five minutes from Tennessee, Chattanooga. Golly, man, that's the thing is like I don't know if I wanted for roughly the same price. I could either hunt Tennessee or Georgia, and I'm not gonna be able to buy both tags because I'm already doing an elk hunt, and so yeah. I can't spend another like seven hundred bucks. But How far is Georgia from, from where you live? Like 30 minutes. Ugh. I mean, some of it. There's other places that are farther than that. Cause, I mean, it, I'm hunting all public, so I might have to drive. But the state line is like 30 minutes from my house. And I bet apartment. Tennessee's over two hours, probably three hours. Oh, yeah, Tennessee, it's it's uh, like five hours or something when, I was, when Jacob lived up there. But, I mean, dude, the hunting up there was ridiculous, man. I'm sorry for all you Tennessee guys if this is offensive. <laughs> It was so much easier than Alabama, man. We were all over deer. There was, no, man. There's just See, like, there's just more deer up there, dude. Man, it's like it's like me. I think well, I think of Tennessee. I think of like Kentucky. You know, an actual yeah. Midwest me state. too. Me too. Like when when I'm thinking of deer hunting, especially after now that I have experience with it, Alabama and Tennessee and Kentucky are two different worlds. Now I haven't hunted Kentucky, but uh, for like hunting purposes, deer hunting purposes, man, like I've never considered. And this might anger some Kentuckians, but I've never considered Kentucky part of the South just because growing up, my my dad and all of his friends were always like Kentucky's like the prom like Kentucky's like the number one deer state when I was growing up, yeah. uh, at least to our group of people. Like you go to Kentucky, that's the land of giants. So yeah. we're like we called Kentucky up north. You know, whenever we were talking about Kentucky, they'd be like, "Yeah, old Brian, he's going up north this year. They're hunting yeah. you know, Western Kentucky." Uh, I'm the same. Easy with that. Easy. Easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jacob's over here way. blowing a gasket. I'm, I'm the same way with Kentucky. I think it's north. Just because just when you cross that line, it's just like the deer numbers just triple. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Now, I will say there's some places I've hunted in Alabama that I was, I was pretty impressed with the deer numbers. Like, it's definitely way better than average for Alabama. But, I mean, the best stuff I've hunted in Alabama is about pretty much like what we were hunting in Tennessee, except Tennessee is a little better still, I think. Yeah. What do you think, Jacob? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Yeah, Tennessee is freaking awesome. So, everybody, y'all just keep going Kentucky. Leave Tennessee to myself. Yeah, I mean, dude, Tennessee, I mean, we hunted, when we were hunting the rut in Tennessee last year, I've seen two, I saw the two biggest bucks that I've seen in years in like two days in Tennessee last year. It was crazy. I mean, I saw one, I mean, a slammer of a, I think it was an eight point. But uh, Jacob saw the footage of that, which I'll have to go back and try and find it. But it's like a crappy little GoPro GoPro film where he ran past me at like 15 yards. And I'm like swinging. And I went through and blew it up 400% so you could see him good. And then like uh, went screen by screen. And you could, there's like one snippet of his right side, and he's a freaking tanker, man. He's huge. Yeah, he's he's, he's freaking 
fucking huge. Yeah, he's an yeah. absolute yeah. giant. I mean, he probably would have – if I killed that deer, I probably wouldn't kill another deer that size for a very, very long time. But anyways, yeah. anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, Tyler, so – okay, let's see. As far as scouting goes, what are uh, what are you and Michael kind of doing this summer for scouting? I mean, that's something we need to talk about a little more because everyone, everyone's at least people like us are kind of starting to get hyped up on deer a little bit more now. I mean, it's getting closer. Now's the time to really be looking for some stuff. So, I mean, what, what are y'all what are y'all going to be doing over the coming weeks? Well, I don't know. Michael has talked about. Now I'm, I'm, I don't I hate speaking for Michael here, but uh, he's he's going he might change the way he hunts a little bit this coming up year. He might he might transition back to some uh some pinch points, some funnels, and just you know because the bed hunting as far as that I just I don't I don't bed hunt because it's so hard to bed hunt in Alabama because of the deer population yeah. numbers. Yeah. And uh, so as far I hate to speak for Michael here, but I, I think he's. He's going to try to transition back to what he used to do, because uh, at towards the end of the season last year, he went back to his old his old uh, his old stuff, and he killed he killed three bucks and yeah, two weeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, like like right now, I'm just uh, like I got four cameras out up here at this WMA I hunt in northern Alabama. I'm gonna go check them, see see what's made it through, and uh, just start start running trail cameras that's what i like to do i i, I rely a lot on trail cameras and so i and as far as what i do I'll, I'll go up here and start checking stuff checking trails put trail cameras on see what's made it see what's around see if there's any deer left in my place i hunt so yeah and that's just basically what i do i, I don't like to be in the woods right now you know god it's hot and ticks are super super bad i i was mowing the yard yesterday and it was just I had ticks all over me. It was unreal. Yeah. And uh and and snakes. I I'm not a big snake guy, so Yeah. Something you brought up, uh, about the bed hunting thing. We yeah, we all have had several discussions just amongst ourselves on that whole hunting beast tactic and everything. And like most people if you listen to us in deer season, you heard us talk all about it and but to sum it up basically in early season, I did really good with the beast method. I just explained that buck I missed. So we were all over bucks doing it. And then October came when, you know, a lot of those patterns change and stuff gets different. And, I yeah. mean, I, I, buddy, I was on the struggle bus until I killed that buck in December. But from, like, October until I killed that buck, I hardly saw a deer, man. It was, so it was pretty difficult. Were you hunting, would you hunt Pacific beds or was you hunting bedding areas? Because the way I hunt, I hunt in – I hunt uh, pinch points and funnels close to the bed in there. So whenever that buck gets up or what, when that would typically, you know, a little 110-inch deer, whatever, if I want to shoot, gets up, I want to be right in that first pinch point. Mm-hmm. He's going to hit. Yeah. Or that first funnel. And that, when I say I hunt beds, I hunt bedding areas. I hunt like a, a thicket, you know, a knob, a thicket on the top of a knob. Uh, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, last year I was, I was getting cocky, I think. I mean, I was hunting – at first, I was hunting specific beds in Georgia, or at least not necessarily specific beds, but like kind of bedding areas, just using what I'd learned through scouting beds, kind of applying that and hunting off of it. And again, it worked great in a, in early season. I mean, when they were on a very consistent bed-to-food pattern, it worked fantastic. 
But then when things changed, man, I, I struggled. We had – another thing is we had a, a really, really, really bad acorn crop where I hunt last year, and that affected me too because I just – I could not find acorns, and I got hung up on it. And so I spent a lot of hunts just wandering around looking for acorns when I should have been just looking for a different food source because there are so few acorns, it wasn't worth seeking out like that one tree unless you could find like a little grove where they were there. But yeah, it was terrible. But Well, see, it, it, it was it was totally opposite. That, uh, yeah, it, it was totally opposite for me. There was way too many acorns where I hunted at. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was so hard to find deer, and uh, you know because there's so many acorn trees. I mean, that you can't pinpoint one acorn tree. Yeah. So you're having to, you're having to bounce from tree to tree to tree, and then you know eventually run into one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, and I mean it's pretty much the same thing with me, just a different kind of problem. But the whole the bed hunting thing, the the reason that places like you know we were dogging on Tennessee a minute ago. <laughs> Like Tennessee and Kentucky and and then these Midwest states like Iowa and Missouri and Illinois and Ohio or parts of those states, I guess. The reason that they're easier and a lot of guys consider them easier, I think, and why guys like Dan Enfault and the hunting public can hunt beds all year and just freaking slam whitetails, like be on good bucks all year, is because up there you got way you got way higher deer numbers, like more deer per square mile than you have down here, and you have way less cover. Because, you know, I mean, Tyler, where we're hunting, you got, if you got a 500-acre parcel, you know, it's not uncommon for 200 of it to be a daggum clear cut. And, I mean, that's all bedding. And that's not even counting all the little tiny thickets in the woods that they could be hiding in. I mean, there's just so much cover that I don't think that for the majority of the season, I just don't think the bed thing is really going to work because there's so many places they can be. I mean, if you were slam-packed full of whitetails and had, like, a bunch of deer per square mile, it might be different, but... I don't think there's enough deer to fill in all the bedding areas like they do oh, in the Midwest. I, I totally agree. Where I hunt at northern, I hunt. There's three WMAs I hunt up here in northern Alabama, and uh, the one place I hunt is just nothing but mountains. Which you know what I'm talking about. It's just oh, yeah. nothing but steep gorges, big long hogbacks. It's just and that, you know, to me that place right there, you can you can pattern buck beds because it's so steep to yeah. where they only bed in certain spots. Yeah, and which that place I hunt, the one I'm talking about, I hunt pinch points there. I'm just I just don't have confidence in bed hunting, so I strictly hunt pinch points, which is good for that area because it's so steep. Yeah, so you can pattern the deer which way they're going to go mm-hmm. most of the time. Now that's where, I kill, that's where I killed my biggest buck at this year. Yeah, I was about to ask you about that. So why don't, why don't you walk us through your biggest buck from last year? Because I I don't even know if i've heard the story on that buck yet but you killed a pretty nice buck i think before anybody else killed a buck last year out of our little friend group we got going on yeah i think i think i was i think well i the d you know a, a good buck i don't know i think it was the best good buck that we've had <laughs> yeah because i know it was early because when you killed it i was like heck yeah man that's awesome i wasn't like yeah bastard <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but okay i'll walk you through i killed I killed two bucks last year, one a nine-pointer and one an eight-pointer. Mm-hmm. One with a gun and one with a bow. Okay. The one I killed up here, it was, what it was, it was, it was a, a real steep uh, drainage ditch with, with a, a creek ran through it. And I was up on the high side of the creek. 
and the woods like it come up and made a sharp bend all right and that and them deer because they can't drop off the gorge so they they walk the edge of that bend mm-hmm. and this buck, this buck got up it was early like 2 30 2 30 and i was on the uh the left side of the gorge i'm not explaining this real good but i'm on the left side of the gorge and this this buck comes around the the, the knob comes around and to his right is the gorge so he's he's skirting the edge of that that uh steep part yeah all right he's come around and then the gorge makes a loop and there's like a, a little pinch point to where it gets real tight and makes a hard right and goes off the mountain mm-hmm. and i was sitting right there in that, that little like little sea where it i, I know you, you hard to explain this but it has it's like a c cup in that gorge it's, it's where it's like where a draw comes up yeah yeah and that buck was going to skirt the edge of that gorge and he was going to get to the head of that draw and go down. And so was, so it's like a bigger, it's like a basically a bigger drainage with kind of a smaller drainage running into it. And he was yeah, in the bigger yeah. drainage and about to split off into the smaller one. Yep, that's exactly. And I was sitting right there at the head of that draw. Okay. And he come, he come around. I think he was bedded on the, the ridge uh, to my right and down, up and down another hill on top of that ridge. Cause there was tons of tons of beds up there early season. Yeah. And I think he come down and he's walking the edge of that gorge and he got to where probably another 15 yards. He'd have been going down the draw down to the main bottom. And he, he just come around. He took two steps and smoked him at like eight yards. Yes, sir, man. Nice. Eight yards. Jacob, you still alive over there? Oh yeah. I'm rocking and rolling. Well, I mean, <laughs> So I had a, that's uh, that I killed that buck and then I killed the, the nine pointer with a gun. Same situation. I was up on top. Well, I was up on top of a knob, and uh, I don't remember. Do you remember me asking you about that green stuff that that grew in that bottom? Yeah. What was that stuff? Uh. uh I can't. Wait. Okay. Uh, wait. Wait. wait, wait. I'm thinking we might be thinking of two different things. You're not thinking. You're not talking about the thing that that buck was eating, were you? Uh. No, uh, it's like real sharp. It's like real sharp crickets things. Uh, God, oh. name some of them. Name some of them. I know. I know you know it. Wait, are you talking? Is it like a bush? Yeah, it's like bush. And it's got uh, big freaking giant thorns on it. Yes, that's a mock orange. Okay, it's got little fruits that look like oranges, and you cut them open, they look like lemons. But yeah, no, we call wrong, them Jesus wrong, thorns. No, wrong one. Oh, okay. No, this this, this is like solid green. It stays green all year long. So does that mock orange, or at least the vines and everything do. But okay, you're talking about crazy. it holds leaves all year. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. Well, this, I was up on this knob, and and surrounding this knob was all that green, that green stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of beds off the bottom of that stuff. Yeah. And this, this book came up and was crossing over that knob, wind-checking that knob. And mm-hmm. he crossed over, I shot him with a rifle at like 56 yards. Dang, man. <laughs> So that's gonna that's gonna bother me, man. I want to know what that stuff was. So okay, was it? I'll send you a picture up yeah. when we get done because I know you know what it is. Yeah, send me a picture. I'll 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 probably know what it is. I just can't. Is, I'll have it, to it, see it. it. Oh, it's Laurel Mountain Laurel. Oh, Mountain Laurel. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay, Jacob knows all about that. That, stuff. that is yeah. That's hell on earth. That yeah. is worth. I'd try, rather almost go through briars and that crap. I ain't gonna try. Lie. Try dragging a deer through that through that crap. 500 yards uphill. 
we went bear hunting. Me and uh, Nick Adair went bear hunting out in East, East Tennessee this past year. And, dude, I've never hunted in Mount Laurel before. And we got into that crap. And we thought we could kind of, like, work our way around it and through it. Oh, <laughs> you thought my wrong, God. son. All it, it is, all it is is a big canopy. And it's, and it's under, clear underneath. There were so many there were so many beds up under there. It was unreal. Oh, yeah. That's but good the problem know. is. The problem is the well, the problem is Mount Laurel grows in places first off that you normally can't hunt very well because of thermals yeah. and like wind because it's normally it's in drainages and stuff and it swirls, but also you can't hunt around it because daggum deer, bear, whatever's in there, you're not going to see it, dude. I mean, unless it's like you know got big openings in it. Uh, that, that's the problem we were at. I mean, dude, we were trying to bow hunt the bear and that crap. It was horrible. Well, like, see, like the the spot I hunted, I was up on top, Jacob, on this little knob, so why I can. And it wasn't probably a hundred yards by a hundred yards. It's not, but it was hardwoods on top. And these and these deer would come out of that law and just come up and feed on oaks uh, until dark, and then and then make their way to where. And I think that there was a big, huge private field, uh, uh, probably a mile and a half uh, across the road on public. I mean, on private. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they was going. And man, that was the first time. I've hunted that spot. I walked in blind, and I hunt. Well, I hunted that morning down on down the knob, and I didn't see nothing. And I come up, coming out for the lunch, and they were just they were just damn crossings across that knob. Deer trails crossing. I thought, well, shit, I'm, I'm gonna sit here. I'll, I'll be here at one o'clock, and I, I climbed up, and it wasn't. It wasn't hour and a half later. He come up, and I just I, shot, I got lucky getting the shot. It was real thick on top, and uh, well, I say thick, just them. Um, uh, just a lot, a lot of timber in there, a lot of undergrowth. And so I shot that buck and funny story. My buddy shot a doe a mile on public. We was hunting together. And so we doubled up that night and, uh, he, he shot that doe and we, and the same stuff I was hunting that mountain wall. And man, I learned so much of how the, the deer travel and that stuff by tracking both of our deer. Oh yeah. And they are so, man, it's like, it is like their own city in there. There's so many trails. I bet I counted 50 scrapes in that mountain wall. Golly. And because it, it, it's, it's so high to where it's perfect for a deer. I mean, for a human, where you got to slaps down and pretty much walk in like a squatted position. But, deer, man, it's like their own little town in there. So so next year, well, right, right now, I got three cameras on the edge of that mountain wall, coming, them trails coming out. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to touch them until mid-October. Just cause, I mean, it's. I, but like I said, I learned so much tracking them two deer. It's unreal. Yeah, mm. man, you got me pumped up for this coming season. Cause uh, I've got a few places where that mountain laurel is, and that stuff is nasty, not fun. But you can't hunt. You got to hunt the edges. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. un, un, unless you get, got a ghillie suit on and go in there and hunt it. That's the only way. Yeah. Well, you know what? We need to. We're gonna to have to do a bunch of scouting podcasts over the summer, but one thing, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and now I'm gonna tell the listeners we're gonna do this, so we have to do it. Um, we need to get all four of us together in person, like you and uh, Mike and me and Jacob. We all need to get together, and we need to do like a big podcast. I mean, just strictly on deer beds in the South, just literally just talking about deer beds, because like every people talk about it a lot and. Uh, I mean, I I'd say that all of us have spent a pretty respectable amount of time looking for beds and hunting beds and doing all that kind of stuff. But I think it'd be cool to just kind of do a discussion just strictly on like deer bedding habits and kind yes. of like the the I guess like 
data, quote unquote, that we've gathered over the years. Michael, Michael, he he's unbelievable. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, what, what, what he knows is the first time I ever met Michael, I, I sent him a message on Messenger, and we we went up here to this piece of public, and he 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 opened my whole world to how deer moves. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's fascinating, man. I mean, and I think that Michael's done some stuff like that where he he'll put a camera out on a bed, but like just to kind of give people kind of a taste of what that podcast is going to be like. Me and my buddy Zach Eccles, uh, who we were fishing with this weekend, he's been on the show a couple times. We put a bed out last year in July on a on a we put a camera on a bed in July that was, I mean, worn down. I jumped a big buck out of this bed when I was scouting it in July. And I walked over there, and I mean, it is to the dirt, man. I mean, it's the heaviest bed I've ever found, period. So we put a camera on it, and we left that camera until, I think, November or December. And I went in there and checked it, and it had ran the whole time. And we had, uh, like, four different bucks. Three of them, like, one of them was a spike, two of them were little, and then one of them was, like, a nice 10-point. And uh, they were all using that bed. And then a couple does were also bedding around there, not in that bed, but around it. And they were using it all the way up until like kind of later October, early November when the leaves started falling. And the leaves fell, and it was still a good position. It was still good cover, but they could see further through it. You could see the bed. Instead of only being able to see it from 20 yards, you could see it from like 40 yards. It wasn't that big of a change. And, dude, from that point, from that leaf drop on, not a single deer picture on that camera. And it ran the whole time, and not a single deer came in there. That's crazy you say that. Did Michael ever tell you that we put a camera and it, it, it is still there from <laughs> last year at, at one of your honey holes? Really? Yes. Oh, dude, we need to go grab that. It's uh, I'll send you. I'll send you the the uh, pen on Onyx because I doubt I I make it back down there unless Michael wants to scout that spot. And uh, yeah, but it, it man, it's, it's identical to what you're describing. It's just a straight bluff. Uh, not well, not a bluff. It's something a deer can get down in a heartbeat, but but somebody, any kind of human, it it take them fifteen minutes to get down. Yeah, and it's right on the edge, and there ain't no way anybody will find this camera. This buck bed, it's worth the dirt. Yeah, and, but uh, yet there again, I had a cheap camera I put out, so I doubt it lasted that you know this long. But I'll see you the pen if you get time. You need to go get it and check yeah. the car. I can go out after work one day this week. I was already planning on going out after work this week. So Man, maybe crazy. If, if Mike's free, he can uh, come on down and go grab it with me, and we'll go scout yeah. some or whatever. But, yeah, just show me where it is because I'll probably have tromped around it a, a time or two because I know the general area y'all put it. And, oh, uh, you do? Okay, okay. I don't know where it is, but I know I know the parcel y'all were on and kind of the section okay. of that parcel you were in. but. But I yeah, hated that parcel. I hated that. God, it was up with pines. Yeah. Well, he, man, you gotta you gotta learn the pines, bro. Yeah, learn. I the pines. dig them. I dig you the come pines. Up here, you come up here. You come up here and hunt where I hunt. Nothing but hardwoods. We'll see. I hate. Gotta hate pines, Andrew. Hate oh them. man, I I used to hate pines with a burning passion until I kind of learned them, and now I love me some pines, man. I love me some pines, especially. Okay, so last year, here's one reason I like pines. Because when you got nothing but pines and you got little hardwood zones in them, it makes yep. for like good edges and good habitat breaks. And that's where the deer are, man. They're going to be on edges. And last yep. year, my buck, there's a big pine forest, and there's uh, there's not much Is diversity. this the one you killed last year? The one you killed? Yeah, the one I shot in December at like okay. 20 yards with a 7 mag. He mm. So that buck, 
was in a just I mean it's pines all around there. There's hardwoods here and there. I'm sitting up against a big hardwood drainage, but across this gas line there is there's nothing but pines. Young pines, a little bit older pines, but not great bedding. But there's a little tiny hardwood drainage that goes up. I mean, it's maybe like five acres of hardwoods right there. And they had got, I don't know what happened. They must have got diseased or something. But most of them are dead. And so it got thick in there. I mean, like thick and nasty. So you had all those pines that were kind of crappy bedding. But then you had this thick area of dead hardwoods that were, you know, sunlight was getting through the canopy and it got thick under there. But a couple of the hardwoods are still alive. A couple of oaks are still alive dropping acorns. And so I climbed over top of that thing and was kind of watching into it, and that's where I killed that buck. I mean, he came cruising through there. I could see beds down in there, and he was walking through. It was like driving rain, and he was walking through smelling individual beds. It was really cool. But, was, was you filming in? Yeah, I was filming, but I didn't I didn't get the kill on camera because it was driving rain, and I couldn't ruin no, my no, camera. No, I, I, was, I was wondering about did, did you get them, uh, that buck sniffing them beds. No, dude, no. I didn't get any footage out cuz I what happened was Mike was with me that day. Michael was. Yeah. Um I filmed a little bit on the way out there cuz we thought it wasn't going to rain cuz it had stopped and we walked in and it wasn't raining. And I mean, I was halfway up the tree and it just started dumping. I mean, cold rain, driving winds. It was miserable. And so that morning, dude, I'm up in the tree and, I mean, it's just gray, windy as crap, raining. I mean, just driving miserable rain. And I have a Sitka Stratus jacket, which is not waterproof, but it's kind of windproof. And I had it on. And that thing's got, like, a kind of a high collar on it. And then it's yeah. got a hood. And I zipped that collar all the way up to, my like, my nose and pulled that hood over. And I literally just tucked my head inside of the jacket and just closed my eyes. Because it was raining so hard, I was like, I can't do this. And after a while, it, it lightened up just a little bit, but it was still raining hard. And I saw a doe in that bedding area, and she, like, busted out of it. And then five minutes later, I saw an antler, and I, he just came bebopping through there. And I didn't – I mean, there's no chance to get the camera out. But, yeah. I mean, because he was right – he was 20 yards from me. But, yeah, bummer that I didn't get it on camera. Because when I he, – he came through sniffing the beds, and then he stood in this one spot for a couple – I mean, it felt like probably a minute – and he's just standing there, and I had one tree in my way. I was like, come on, man, please, please just step out behind that tree. Because, you know, I'd, I hadn't killed anything at that point. I usually had at least one deer killed by then most years. And he finally stepped out, dude. And he's like maybe tops 25 yards, and I shoot him. And he, like, he, he jumps up in the air, almost does a backflip, and he, like, bucks real hard. And he runs, and I mean, he runs right underneath me. He almost ran into the tree I was in. And I'm sitting on the backside of this huge hill, and he tears down that hill 100 miles per hour and does like a flip at the bottom. And when I got down there, his antlers were like buried underground. Like I just about had to dig his head out of the ground. He hit the ground so hard and dug his antlers in. They were all up in the roots and everything. It was cool, man. I wish I was filming, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pumped up for next year. I'm uh, I haven't been this excited in, in a while. Yeah, it's gonna be a good year, man. Well, well, we're we're at a hour seven. So you boys uh, got anything you want to say? Close with? Yeah, let me hear y'all's plans. Uh, Jacob, you start. I've been talking. Mm, I mean, definitely uh, my so it, it just depends. You know, we're still trying to get everything dialed in. I'm gonna have a hunting license for, of course, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee. Um. 
I know, Andrew, you talked about probably not getting a Tennessee license, even though um, after this podcast, I got to tell you about a hunt that you're going to want to buy your license for. Easy. Anyway, anyways, 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 we won't go there. Anyways, but okay. Um, so that's definitely on the, on the, uh, on the agenda. I don't have, we haven't really talked a whole bunch about maybe trying to do a whole bunch of out of state for whitetails, but we're going to go to Colorado for elk in October, which, uh, ought to be pretty fun. Probably going to die, but you know, it is what it is. Dude, we got to start getting in shape, man. I got to lay off the M&Ms or I'm going to die on that mountain. Mm. (laughs) For real, dude, we got to get in shape. We're going to, we're going to die in Colorado if we don't get in shape. I don't know about you, but I ain't trying to put nobody on spot here, but somebody might be filming at the top of the ridge. (laughs) 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 Oh, dude. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. But we're gonna have a we're gonna have a busy turkey season too. Yeah. Well well Jacob, keep going. Well so that you know that's on the agenda. And then for you know, some of the more local stuff, we're going to do some pretty cool hunts. Uh, definitely want to collaborate with you, you and Mike on uh, doing a couple cool hunts that uh, we'll use some cool tactics on access uh, to get into some cool places. Yeah. That, uh, you know, so one of the places we've never hunted before, um, the other ones we have had some experience with, but we're going to take some different access routes going in. Oh, so man, if, in. We, if we can get this one access route that we've been talking about, I mean, oh, my God, it's going to be nice. But get, just – Oh my god, dude! I, I can't even sleep at night thinking about it. But keep keep going. So I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, Tennessee. Uh, there's a there's a couple places in Tennessee I did not hunt last year uh, that I'm definitely going to try to get out this year and kind of go and do that. Uh, Georgia. Uh, there's quite a few spots that you know Andrew's got history with, and then also I've kind of scouted a little bit uh, earlier in the summer, or should I say, earlier in the spring. Um, so. That's kind of the agenda kind of going into this fall. But really, our, our whole goal is just kind of get a whole bunch of content together and go out there and just have a whole bunch of uh, – a lot of fun, you know, especially doing these uh, maybe a couple more overnight trips for whitetails. Uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. going to be pretty cool because I know a couple of the places that we definitely want to do a collaboration hunt with, we're going to have to do some overnight trips. So, yeah. Tyler, you're going to bring down the, the old camper, man. Yeah. Oh, I, I will. I yeah. will. I mean, dude, my plans are pretty much Jacob's plans. I mean, me and him, I mean, we pretty much hunt together every weekend. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, pretty much what he just said. I'm torn on Georgia and Tennessee. I would like to do, like, if I had to choose which state I wanted to hunt, I'd straight up choose Tennessee. But Tennessee's so much further away, and I'm going to be real busy this fall with just other stuff. Like, Like, I don't know, man. We're already doing Colorado. Which will, that'll be a pretty decent chunk. I mean, we're probably going to, that's total, including weekends, probably going to be like 10 days. So that's quite quite a trip. So I don't know how many opportunities I'm going to have to go up to Tennessee to deer hunt. So I don't know if it'd be worth spending that money when I could get the Georgia license and, first of all, have it for a full year and turkey hunt with it. And then also, you know, I got some places in Georgia that I could hit up possibly on some weekdays if I could make the time for it. So I... I don't know about that, dude. But other than that, for deer, man, I mean, Tyler, you know the deer plans. We got some stuff kind of close. I got stuff close to home I'm going to be hitting up. That's just I can go hit it on like a Tuesday afternoon or something. But uh, but then also we got some stuff just kind of different parts of the state that 
we've all had experience on, except for that one place we've been talking about. We all have experience on most of these places, and they're all good, and we kind of know what we're talking about with them. So really all that's left is we got to go scout them and kind of formulate the plan. But a lot of hunting in Alabama, and uh, definitely hunting in Colorado, and then hopefully a lot of hunting in either Georgia or Tennessee. But yeah, It's going to be packed. It's going to be, be packed. Here. Yeah, it is, man. But... All right, with that, I guess that we will shut it down. Uh, Tyler, tell us one more time where we can go find your thing. Uh, it's the Unrested YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We haven't got the YouTube channel going yet. We're gonna we're gonna see how it goes, but the Unrested, the Unrested, it's gonna be a good year. Heck yeah, brother! All right, thanks everybody for listening. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool, I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right, giving you a heads up here, so go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the... The, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.